0: Hello and welcome, everybody, to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. I'm here with Glenn and Darcy, and today we will be discussing the advantages and disadvantages of owning versus renting your primary residence. Um, maybe I, I'm going to get started. Um, yeah. I think they're, well, you know for many obvious reasons there are lots of advantages to owning uh the biggest one being you build up equity through mortgage pay down and appreciation particularly um so glenn and i are located in ontario so we've seen a lot of appreciation in the in the past um, years um, and then you can either refinance or take a heloc and use the funds to invest and um, and the other advantage with the primary residence is that when you sell, um, all the appreciation and um, it's all tax-free um, in Canada. Um, personally, if I did not have a family, I may rent, so I don't have the upkeep to do. Or I would live in a condo where everything is taken care of for me, so I can focus on my, uh, you know, my passions and my, my real estate stuff uh, and uh, my, my beach volleyball. so that's my take on the on primary residence
1: well there's a there's a couple different things so right now yes or less i guess if you look back at what's happened in ontario in the last couple years or bc um we've had crazy appreciation but if you were in a flat market or a top of a market it uh it does change things a little bit you're still going to get your mortgage pay downs uh, by owning the house but um you know Putting appreciation into your calculation, I never do it. It's always icing on the cake, and you never really know where you're going to go in this. Um, so another way to kind of, kind of to think about this is you go, okay, so if I put uh, my mortgage on this property, um, it would cost me this much per month, and have all my you know expenses as being an owner, so property taxes and insurance and some stuff I wouldn't have as a rental, um, and then compare it to renting. And what you'll probably find is obviously it's cheaper to be the, the you know per month to be the owner of the property. The one thing you may be forgetting is the opportunity cost because you had to put down a big deposit on that house. So um, one thing to think about if you you look at oh I needed to put down like the thirty thousand dollars. What could I I earned with that thirty thousand dollars if I was going to go drop that into uh, syndication, what are they paying right now? Like, what could I get as a, a return as yeah. a, you know, or, or if you want to be super passive, right. Or if I want to do this myself, what kind of things could I earn? But I'd almost compare it to a passive thing. Cause got to compare apples kind of to apples, right? So you're not, you can't compare active to not doing anything because like being um, just owning your residence and letting it appreciate or doing mortgage pay down is pretty passive. So I tried to, I would compare passive to passive uh, if if possible, uh, at least for running your numbers, even if that's not your intention. But yeah, what you'll probably find is it was a, you know cheaper by a couple hundred bucks to own the property than rent. But if I took that money, um, that I the thirty thousand, the fifty thousand, the hundred thousand, depending on what you're buying and what the rent is, um, it, a lot of times it's, it may be actually significant. You could make a lot more money by actually investing that money than doing the thing, depending on what market you're in. Um, I saw, um, I think it was a year ago, two years ago, uh, back when I was living in Cambridge and they were selling the condos and I went and looked them up online what they were renting for. And what they were renting for was like, not much, right? There at the time, things have boom since then, but like a year or two ago, they were renting for like $1,500 a month, right? And you go, but they're like $600,000 to buy them. And you start doing the math and you're like, uh, I could rent this for basically what it's going to cost. And I could take my money and invest in something and have basically no mortgage or really light, right? So it's, I think it's about trying to break the whole thing down and compare apples to apples as best as you can because they are apples and oranges. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I think the thing that uh, levels that difference is what you touched on was what, it, what your money could do for you in the different situations. So there's two things, two groups are generally your renters um, and they're, uh, they seem to be really disparate, but they have the same thing in common. They have low earning potential, young people, students, people starting out are typically renters because they don't have any equity and they don't have a big wage and seniors, uh, they've stopped earning. They might have a lot of equity, but there's preserving equity for time. And those are typical renters on those uh, either ends. And in the middle, Ari touched on why you might own a home, um, because a home is different. If you have a family and a, there's a lot of society stuff and emotional and psychological stuff about a home, uh, which makes sense. We are part of some kind of Canadian or North American dream about home ownership and what it means, mm. but it is costly and people underestimate the real cost of owning a home. And it's in time and focus. If you're focused on your business and you're spending all your Saturday mending fences and repairing, you know, a 40 year old home where everything's sort of on the edge of breaking, that can be a significant uh, time suck and your time's worth something. And every trip to home Depot is a hundred dollars. And, An hour and a half because you can't find anyone
1: to help you or it could be the landlord's problem (laughs) exactly and if
2: you're renting your saturday is yours you could sit at your desk and uh work all day and watch the landlord's guy clean your yard and gutters and repair your roof and all these other jobs that are costly at a fixed price that you negotiated a year ago on a fixed term tenancy so it's not your problem so the great leveler is what your money is doing. I give a couple examples, and this is a personal example for us that we're looking at in the next, you know, eight to 10 years. So we have an, uh, what might be called an uh, executive home or an estate home in the Fraser Valley outside of Vancouver. It's on an acre and a half. It's, a, you know, a 5,000 square foot, two structure kind of thing. It's pretty nice. And our deal was that at some point in the future, we would sell this house and buy a condo in Vancouver, overlooking Stanley Park, looking west and north towards the Lionsgate Bridge and Point Atkinson and Stanley Park. And it would have two and a half bedrooms, enough space for Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner, but not for a huge group to stay forever, right? That's our downsizing retirement dream. Yeah. In the time since we bought our house, Vancouver went stupid hot and equity went screaming up to buy that condo is now looking at somewhere north of $3 million. That's a ton. We have a beautiful home in Fraser Valley. We couldn't trade our host straight across for that. Not now. Um, So we would be actually paying more to buy when we have less earning power and we'd be tying up a lot of our money to purchase our dream condo in Vancouver. It just doesn't make any kind of sense. I can rent that condo at at $3.5 million. I can rent that condo it sounds insane for $112,000 a year. That's nuts. That's a really big ticket. However, the cost of financing, $3.5 million, if I were to you know, pay it out or to take my $3.5 million and put it in the market in, in a mortgage investment certificate and loan it to others would get me somewhere around 210, dollars $215,000 a year. So I'd be net $100,000 ahead and still rent that place and still have all my equity. I just be renting. Now there's insecurity to renting. The land, uh, the landlord could take it over. It could come back from where he is living, or or take it for his children. <laughs> depending
1: where you depending where you live. Yeah, it's <laughs> unlikely that that landlord lives
2: in Vancouver. We're gonna say that uh, any three and a half million dollar condo is probably owned by an offshore company or someone very wealthy and uh, an investment uh, hedge. I'm just guessing, um, but it's unlikely. But they could. But there's more of them. And there's at any, some estimates, 4% of these luxury condos are empty, which means that their price is actually depressed because there's a lot of supply. So you're actually getting good value, which sounds insane, uh, over $100,000 a year in rental, but the market is telling you what that's worth. So for us, that might be a really good choice to sell our house and rent in Vancouver and have our dream rental. And you know what, when I'm decrepit and weakened and you know, in my older dotage, I don't want to be fixing a house on an acre and a half and mending fences. I just probably want to be playing with a small dog and, I don't know, watching the Canucks win their fifth Stanley Cup. But um,
1: Darcy, aren't you a busy body? What are you going to do? You need something to do. I'm going to play guitar. So it's going yeah. to
2: be a concrete uh, rent uh, tower, maybe. And, yeah. And <laughs> uh, There's a, still a ton of books I have to read. And my wife wants to make up for the years we haven't traveled enough. So you could make a case for renting if your money's working elsewhere. And if you could divorce yourself from the idea that you have to own a home where you're not successful, um, a lot of the world's wealthy elites rent because they are mobile and portable like young people, or they're like seniors with fixed incomes. And if you read books from the last century, the part of the 19th century, people rented homes all the time. Um And lived him in for the summer. They lived him in for a winter in the city, and then they'd summer in the. Who knows? It could be a very different life. It has been done, and more people through history have rented than have owned. This is a bubble in history where people have owned homes. It's only about sixty years old. Before that, not so many people owned homes. We have to recognize that we're in an unusual situation that may not last. Um, So the idea is that really, it's a simple financial metric.
1: you, you mentioned uh, yeah. the wealthy, right? And, uh, and like some of them anyway. Um, yeah. And I think you got to think about where they're living too, why they rent over where they're buying. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's usually when you talk, you hear these big real estate guys and they're renters, right? Um, even though they own all these, all these rentals for other people, they're renters themselves. And it's because they live in Miami or like Glendale, California, LA, or like you know these big expensive markets, and I think it comes down partially to the rent to value, right? So you know everyone to do the simple one, the hundred thousand dollars is a thousand dollars a month, but as it goes up, you know the two thousand dollars a month doesn't rent. Uh, sorry, a two hundred thousand dollar place doesn't typically rent for two thousand a month, and three thousand, uh, a hundred thousand place doesn't rent for three hundred thousand, and uh, a three million dollar house doesn't rent for three hundred thousand or. What was that were thirty thousand a month, right? So it just doesn't happen like it. It keeps getting compressed as it gets more expensive, and at some point, it, it actually crosses each other where it actually makes more sense to rent. Absolutely. So one thing yeah. you got to think about is where you're renting, and maybe it makes sense if you're in a, an affordable market to own. And sometimes, if you're in a very unaffordable market, it makes a lot more sense to rent.
2: And all these things uh, are always done over time. Ta- over time, if you're staying in some place for two years or three years it makes little sense to rent when you cal- or to purchase when you calculate on the cost of purchasing. And if you're portable, the, the cost of unraveling and selling a place, so if you're moving to a town for business or for work or whatever, you would be ill-advised unless it was a screaming deal to purchase because you know the cost of time of just doing it all the acquisition costs and the unraveling costs to get out of a deal. Typically say less than four or five years, you won't see any real appreciation or mortgage pay down to make it make sense on the equity side of the ledger. You're just paying out. And we're used to renting a lot. All of our utilities are rented. We're paying for services and we make a clear and smart calculation on whether we have a Telus or a Shaw account, whether we, you know, we're renting services all the time. We're really good at it and they're very competitive these are market forces whereas under the home side the home equity and ownership side there's a lot of emotional stuff that's going with it do i like the carpet do i like the location or the school can i see myself as a kind of person in a colonial or a Tudor style home those aren't financial decisions those are emotional decisions and they cost you money now i make them all the time we have a consciously french style uh, farmhouse you know it suits who i want to be but it wasn't a money decision.
1: Um, I don't know. And you're, and you're it, talking about the 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 cost to you know sell your property every couple of years if you're moving. In in some of these markets, you own a three million dollar house. You could go get your realtor's license and sell the property and be way ahead to sell one property for yourself, which is nuts. But
0: anyway,
2: that's a little <laughs> tip for all the realtors out there.
1: They're going no.
0: <laughs> yeah, it needs. If you're the tenant, you can you can call the landlord to complain if you had a bad day, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and get your dollars to work for you. Oh yeah, interesting. Okay, I think yeah, we provided a lot of uh, insights on this topic, and uh, I think um, I I really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope uh, the audience did as well. And as usual, feel free to uh, send us your questions at Advanced REI Talk Advanced rei talk at gmail.com and we it will be our pleasure to answer them so thank you for tuning in and we will see you all next week bye guys see ya